Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It's a Worryometer Wednesday here on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Get the Worryometer out for Adam Azer not being here. It being me and Chris Towers handling this show. What's that on the Worryometer? Looks like a seven. Looks like a seven? Okay. It is going to be Worryometer. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including what happened on Tuesday night. First, it's going to be what are you guys doing Wednesday? And then we're going to talk about Garrett Cooper just to start the show. Adam didn't even put him in Tuesday's standouts. We talked about him on the Sunday HQ show and how incredible he had been so far this season since he became a regular with the Marlins essentially May 15th before last night. He was a top 45 hitter overall, had scored exactly the same number of fantasy points in that stretch as Reese Hoskins. (laughs) He has good pedigree. He was awesome in AAA. Now in his first chance at an everyday job, he's been awesome again. On Tuesday night, he had another home run. He walked two more times. He looks a lot like a very good average hitter with decent power that's playing every day and hitting in the middle of a lineup. Why is he still under 50% owned Chris Towers? Um, well, he's got a a ground ball rate around 60%. Okay. So that doesn't help. And over the last 20 games, he's been hot again. I think four home runs in the last five games, you said? I didn't say that, okay, but it could I be true. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, he still has a 20% ground or a 60% ground ball rate over the last 20 games. So that's one of those things where we've talked about with, you know, Ian Desmond before this season or Christian Yelich before last season in particular it's really hard to hit for power like he's got a 40 percent home run to five ball ratio so that's not going to continue he's a 56 percent ground ball rate for the season now he is i do agree he's a good hitter he's got a 26 percent line drive rate makes good contact doesn't strike out too much but we're probably seeing something close to a best case scenario i don't think he's going to hit 315 the rest of the season no. Um, he's hit 11 home runs in 55 games. I don't really think he's a 30 homer guy, but I do think he might be a 290 hitter, and I think he might be a 25 homer guy. And I think where he's hitting in the order, he's probably a 90 run, 90 RBI guy. We'll see. If you if you play, and that's we've talked about this at the beginning of the year. It's the Marlins lineup, and so people might think, well, he's going to be bad if somebody plays every day and hits second or third for the Marlins and plays 155 games and gets on base at a 350 clip, let's say. He's at 390 on base right now, 389. Gets on base at a 350 clip. That's a that's 180 runs in RBI, hitting second or third in any lineup. The Orioles, the Marlins, anybody. In a good lineup, that's 110 runs in RBI. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm not even convincing Chris Towers that we need it. But, okay. What should Gary Cooper's ownership be? Uh, I think closer to 70%. Okay. and he's Still, still 41%. And it really hasn't moved very much lately. It, it kind of jumped up from like 10% to 40%, and then it's kind of stuck there. I do think he's someone who should be owned in more leagues than he is. That was my standout from Tuesday. Do you have a standout from Tuesday? Adam gave us three that I didn't want to talk about two of them, but we will. Yeah, I definitely think we have to talk about Keston here, and we have to talk about the amazing team name, Tuesday name, that I came up with for him on a Wednesday. You want to hear it? Uh, Sure. Hira am, rock you like a hurricane. It's very good. It's not bad at all. It's not bad. It would have been better if someone else would have come up with it, Yeah, Uh, but not bad. Tell me about Keston Hira. Three home runs in his last six games since being called up. He's the number one for the second time. Number one second baseman in fantasy. He's not this good. How good is he? He's not this good. I mean, his current 162-game pace would be 42 homers, 26 steals, and a 300 average. That would be an MVP uh, level of production. I don't think he's going to uh, make a late run for the MVP, but it's pretty clear he's very good. You look at what he's done between the majors and the minors this season. You're talking about... 28 homers, 12 stolen bases, an average over 300. Now, 
he has struck out too much in the majors. It's a little below 30% right now. Um, but there's no arguing with the quality of contact that he's making. He is an elite prospect, not quite on the level of a Fernando Tatis, but you know, baseball prospectus for one had him as the number six prospect in baseball coming into this season. So he's probably more like a two sixty hitter though. Sure. Two sixty, two seventy. He does have good speed. So I, I think you could expect him to, you know, a little bit like Fernando Tatis, where you might expect him to outperform that even if he won't keep this up, but you just, you love the bat. You love the pop that he's developed. He seems to be one of those guys who's really benefiting from the new ball. It's just, it's a really good fantasy profile, especially for a second baseman. I think Keston here, obviously a must own guy. And he's only 73% owned. So yeah, if he's out there, you have to go get him. I think there's a chance he could be a top five second baseman for the rest of the season. I am hosting the show. I did not put the notes together, so don't blame me for one of Tuesday's standouts being Glenn Sparkman. <laughs> Complete game, shutout, eight strikeouts, just one walk against the Chicago White Sox. He has had some good starts this season. There was one time this year where he was a two-start pitcher. After a couple of good starts, I decided I was going to use Glenn Sparkman as a two-start pitcher. That went poorly, but last night's start did not. And, you know, good good for him. I, I don't I just don't think there's anything there. Um you know, the these kind of starts will happen occasionally. And uh his his happened last night. And that's pretty <laughs> much like I wish I had more to say to that than that, but the White Sox are reeling right now. They they haven't been uh hitting particularly well. Eloy Jimenez left that game early with an elbow injury and I just yeah, I, I think you can go ahead and just write this one off for the most part. Let's talk about the pitcher he was pitching against because that he's more interesting. I don't know that I would call him a standout because the performance was pretty meh. Uh, six innings, eight hits allowed, six runs, only four earned for Dylan Cease. He did strike out seven. He only walked one, so that was better in terms of the control than we saw from Cease in his last start against the Tigers. He's 67% owned. I still think that should be higher. But this is not a start that helps me make that case. Um, yes and no. I mean, the seven strikeouts and one walk, I think it's great, especially coming off a start where he walked four. The control was all, a little all over the place. And, you know, to, to some extent he got babbipped a little bit. To some extent he just got kind of let down by his defense. Um, Whit Merrifield had an inside-the-park home run that probably shouldn't have been one. And so... You know, I think it's probably a better start than the overall four earned runs, six runs allowed in six innings indicates. And, uh, yeah, I'm still very optimistic about Dylan Cease. Let's get to the worryometer. Chris is not worried about Dylan Cease and give, giving up six runs to the Royals in six innings. Is he worried about Gary Sanchez? And, and I would think you're going to say no. He's the number four and number two catcher in fantasy. He's hitting 240 so far this year. Going into last night, he was hitting 119 with 22 strikeouts in his last 15 games, struck out three more times on Tuesday night. And just to give you a little something else to worry about, I moved him ahead of JT Realmuto for the first time about 15 games ago as my number one catcher. So if you want to worry about Gary Sanchez, that's probably the reason to do it. So what you're saying is Gary Sanchez's slump would have started earlier if you had... Yes. Done the logical. You're thing welcome, ahead of Gary in, Sanchez in owners. Yes. Uh, no, zero. He's like the number four catcher now in points instead of number one. Yeah, zero. Like he's better in Roto than points, but you knew that coming in. He's still an elite option at the position. He's one of the few difference makers we're seeing. Would he be your number one catcher in points rest of the season? Because it's not zero if the answer is not yes. Uh, I mean, he definitely would be in Roto in points. He's certainly in the discussion. I don't know if I would necessarily have him exactly number one, but you know we're seeing the kind of season we hoped we would see from Gary Sanchez. You know he's still on pace for close to forty home runs. There are zero other catchers who can do that in baseball. Yeah, I think that there is was hope amongst the Gary Sanchez drafters mm -hmm. that he would have better than an eight fifty OPS. 
Now, that's still awesome for a catcher, but if you strike out as much as he does, that could be difficult in points. I I, I have a little, if you're talking about will Gary Sanchez be the number one catcher in points or Roto rest of season, because he's neither right now, I would say the worryometer is a four, but he's going to be a top five catcher, and he's awesome, so I don't really care. Yeah. D Gordon. This is another one we probably don't care about. Adam is the D Gordon guy of the podcast. Gordon, 70% owned, hitting 264 this year, 16 steals and 18 attempts. Since coming off the injured list on June 11th, he has hit 233 with four steals. He now hits ninth regularly. How worried are we about D Gordon? Um, if you expected a full bounce back, yeah, you're, you're definitely worried, but I mean, the four steals since coming off the IL is definitely a concern at this point in his career. He's probably like, I would expect more than a 264 average, but not too much more. Um, the, the counting stats are going to be low as long as he hits fourth or uh, ninth. He's averaging actually less than, than four plate appearances per game. Uh, in this stretch, 92 plate appearances in 26 games, 24 starts. It, it's not not concerning. He's not rosterable in points. No, no. There's no, basically no. I think I have him in a 24-team points league. But other than that, and I'm not sure I'm even starting him. Um, but he still has value in Roto. The He's answers. still going to steal bases. So, yeah, I, I would say like a 7 or 8. But. 7 or 8. On the worryometer, a guy you wrote about, I think, is a second-half breakout or second-half sleeper after writing about him as a first-half bust. Jack Flaherty, seven innings. Speaking of Jack Flaherty, I just wanted to tell you you were right about your consistency argument yesterday when talking to Scott and Adam and mm-hmm. making sure you were consistent in the way we evaluate players. Seven innings, three hits allowed, just one know. run. It seems like struck you're taking out a shot. Eight against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Is this a bounce back from Flaherty? Are we worried about him, or is he going to be okay? My expectations for Jack Flaherty were lower than pretty much anyone else, certainly on this podcast and probably among the industry coming into the season. So I haven't been that worried because I always thought this was possible. I also think it's entirely possible that he goes on a run where he's one of the best pitchers in the National League for the rest of the season. So, no, I'm like a one or a two. I think this is... A pretty promising start, especially when you look at, you know, six strikeouts, one earned run in his previous start as well. Yeah, I think like my expectation for Flaherty was a borderline top 20 starting pitcher. I've lowered that to a top 30 starting pitcher, and I'm a, probably a four on whether he'll be a top 30 starting pitcher the rest of the year in terms of worrying. And I don't know why me complimenting one of your takes yesterday would seem like me taking a shot. You were taking a shot. Lance Lynn, six innings, struck out six Diamondbacks, gave up five runs, though. Weird season for him. He started off the year and looked every bit as terrible as we expected him to be. About four starts in, he turned into a legitimate ace for two months of the season. Is he turning back into a pumpkin now? How concerned are you that he's going to turn back into a pumpkin? And I think we should be clear, based on the last two months of his peripherals, the worryometer would be a zero. He's awesome. But we've got... 30 other years of Lynn's life. Yeah, and he was, for a while, a guy who tended to outperform his peripherals. His peripherals were never that impressive. Um, I think the peak of that was probably that 2017 season where his peripherals suggested he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball, and he ended up with like a mid-threes or high-threes ERA. Last time we talked about Lance Lynn on the podcast and I was on, I said that I'm not going to talk about Lance Lynn anymore because I just don't understand it. Um so my expectation moving forward is still that he will be not very good. Uh, I know that flies in the face of, you know, it's the not very consistent. It's very consistent because it, <laughs> this season isn't the only season that's ever happened. And so it's not just, you know, one of the things that I, that I consistently say Heath, is that these quote unquote skill based indicators like FIP or, Woba or line drive rate or hard hit rate, these things that, you know, when you, you're removing the results and you're just looking at the process and you would think that is a better indicator of skill rather than, you know, luck or outcome, those things can fluctuate too. Sometimes guys do just play better for a couple of months. I think, you know, my expectation is that's what we've seen from Mike Miner so far and that he'll turn back into a pumpkin. 
I think something similar for Lance Lynn, but I can't exactly say that I'm super confident in it. I just can't say that I believe he's going to be good moving Who's going to be better rest of season, Lance Lynn or Luis Castillo? Luis Castillo. We will talk about injuries, news, and notes, pitchers on the mend, and lots of bullpen notes right after this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Let's take a look at the injuries news and notes. Adalberto Mondesi left with a shoulder injury. This was one of the things I was concerned about coming into the season. He'd never been able to play a full season. Does not look like he will again. He's already been on the I.L. once. Adam did put in the notes here, if you need speed, Gerard Dyson is 25% owned, has 21 steals, but he's hitting 161 in the month of July. Yeah, I feel like that was a lot of uh, early season production. Well, he was hitting home runs early in the year. He wasn't even on first base. Eloy Jimenez left with an elbow injury. He's likely headed to the injury list. Corey Kluber will throw a bullpen session today. Hopefully we get a little bit more information. There's not been much of a timetable on Kluber, and I, I'm not certain if he's going to help fantasy owners before the playoffs. Yeah, I would assume we won't see him at least within the next month. It, yeah, let's. hopefully we'll get some more notes after that. Kenley Jansen gave up three runs uh, in a blown save. He was hit on the ankle by a comebacker to start the inning. You said he was limping badly in the locker room. He said he should have come out of the game. I do wonder if he'd just gotten like lucky and gotten the outs, if he'd have been limping quite as badly. But Jay Bruce left with an oblique strain. We had a little argument about Jay Bruce earlier this week. This might be the reason that you need to drop him. Byron Buxton is on the seven-day concussion IL. Brendan Rogers had surgery for a torn labrum. Out for the season. Done. Eddie Rosario is back. Zach Wheeler has no structural damage, according to the Mets, and his short shoulder, according to Newsday. Stephen Piscotty could begin a rehab assignment next week. Matt Carpenter is on the IL with a foot contusion. Good, I just put him back in my lineup. Hunter Pence is back. Texas sent Willie Calhoun to AAA. I'm sorry, Chris. It's disappointing. Max Freed is on the IL with a blister. Do we have any idea who will start in his stead? I don't. I know Bryce Wilson was bad again yesterday. Uh, I would hope Tuki Toussaint gets in. What's going on with Sean Newcomb? Is he... That I don't okay. know. I don't know. They like I don't him in think the he's starting. Yeah, I think he's back in the bullpen again. The Indians sent Bobby Bradley back to AAA, and he deserved to go because he wasn't hitting at all. Speaking of the Indians, Danny Salazar made his second rehab start. How confident do we feel that Danny Salazar is going to come back as a starting pitcher this season? Oh, not <laughs> confident. No. Uh, I'm hopeful, but no, confident simply cannot be the word that you use to describe anything with Danny Salazar, who has not uh, pitched in the major leagues since 2017. So you're putting that as like a one on the confidence-o-meter? Yeah, but but that being said, I think he's worth adding in a roto or category. Would you rather have him than Sean Manaya, who is making progress? I think Salazar certainly has more upside, but Manaya is probably a higher likelihood. If you're stashing someone, though, I would go with the guy who has higher upside. Pablo Lopez threw a bullpen session. He's probably still a month away as well, right? At least a few weeks, I would assume. Alex Wood is scheduled to make a rehab start tonight. It'd be nice if he was pitching in the majors at some point this year. Yeah, I, I would expect at this point that probably takes Tyler Malley out of the rotation when Alex Wood comes back, so wouldn't be great for one of my second-half sleeper calls. Nate Evaldi could begin a rehab assignment today, and we think he's got a, a 
good chance, if he's not terrible, of being the Boston Red Sox closer for the rest of the season. Speaking of bullpens, Will Smith does not want to be traded, apparently. He gave up three runs on four hits. Well, doesn't want to be traded to Colorado. No, no, no. He's seen what's happened to Wade Davis. Two home runs against the Rockies, his second blown save. Rysel Iglesias gave up a run against the Cubs in a tie game in the 10th inning. He was pitching for the third straight day. Wade Davis, speaking of the Rockies, was awful. Four runs in a third of an inning. It's amazing that he still has this job. Like, it's only because he was so good for so long. Yeah, I I think at some point, and we're probably getting really close to that point. I mean, when he was on the IL, there were, it was Scott Oberg who was getting some opportunities. I would expect that to be the first guy. Maybe they could just use him as the closer on the road and use Oberg as the closer in Colorado. Maybe. Because Wade Davis has been awesome outside of Coors Field, but that place is in his head. Hector Neris gave up three runs in a third of an inning. He's now given up six earned runs in his last six innings, nine earned runs in his last ten innings. Is there anyone that you're interested in speculating on in that Phillies bullpen? Is David Robertson coming back at any point? David Robertson could be back soon, um, but no, I don't think there's anybody in that bullpen that I'm that I'm actively looking to add because we know they're not going to go with one guy. They'd kind of gone with like I was. I'd said that a lot about Naris, and I was wrong for about a six week period. Naris was getting most of the saves. But he's just been awful lately. I can't imagine he's the, the closer for sure. Blake Trinan gave up a home run in a non-save situation against the Seattle Mariners. It seems like Liam Hendricks is just going to be their closer for the rest of the year. Jalen Beeks, three and a third, struck out five Yankees. He's back. He's been, like, why can't we just make Jalen Beeks a starting pitcher? He's been very good. Uh, I think the issue is a, a, a somewhat limited repertoire, and they want to use him with an opener. He hasn't, kind of like Yanni Chirinos last year, they want to they want to have him earn the right to be a starter, I guess. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly would like to see it. I think he's pretty good. He's got a 2.780 ERA over 64 innings. Now his peripherals are not nearly that good. So if I was being consistent, I would say he's not quite this good. He's not. Let's talk about some closers, who could get traded, and who their replacements would be. I I only agree with two of the names on this list that Adam gave us. Uh, The first is Ian Kennedy. He's been shockingly good as a reliever. And it's a good reminder that bad starting pitchers can be great relievers. A guy we talked about earlier that's struggling in Colorado now, Wade Davis, was a disaster as a starting pitcher and one of the best closers in baseball for like a four-year stretch. So it's not that surprising, I suppose, that Kennedy's been this successful. I don't really know that there's somebody else in Kansas City that I would be interested in adding. No, no. There was a point where Scott Barlow looked like he might be that guy, and now he's in AAA. I think they just called him back up. There you go. He's back. But I would not want to add him. Carlos Martinez for the Cardinals did take the loss. Not very good in his most recent performance. I don't think the Cardinals, though, will be looking to trade Carlos Martinez. I'd be pretty shocked if they did. He's still under a very reasonable contract for a while. So, you know, even if he is a reliever moving forward, I think they'd be fine keeping him around. Felipe Vasquez is someone I would definitely expect to get traded. They've got Richard Rodriguez. They've got Francisco Liriano. Kyle Crick's been terrible lately. Is there one guy that you'd speculate? I think it'd probably be Rich Rod for me. Yeah, I think it's unlikely to be Francisco Liriano. I think there's a <clears throat> just as good a chance he gets traded as Felipe Vasquez. But, you know, Rodriguez is right-handed, so that typically helps. Doesn't have a ton of strikeout potential. So, you know, he he's not somebody that I'd be running out to add right now. Cal Crick is really interesting. He's really struggled with his control, but he does have very good stuff. Former top prospect. Could be the kind of guy who takes a step forward in a bullpen role like we saw last season when he had 239 ERA, uh, 65 strikeouts, and 60 and a third, and much better control than he's had so far this season. We're going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll talk hitters. We may get to a few of your emails. Be back in a few. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. 
The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. There was just one double dong on Tuesday night. Omar Narvaez, three for four, two home runs. He's the number five catcher in fantasy, hitting 297 with 16 home runs. On the season, second double dong in his last five games. He's still sitting against lefties, but he's so good against righties, it doesn't matter. Well, and it's worth noting, he was probably the number 10 catcher. About, you said last five games, his second double dong? Yeah, I think he's been top eight this whole time. Um, There's a pretty good gap between him and everyone else. Yeah, he had really fallen off... uh, for probably the last the previous two months before this little stretch um you go back to the middle of may before the last five games he had like a 726 ops he like kind of just looked like another guy a catcher but overall yeah you have to be thrilled with the production and you, you have to consider him a top 10 catcher i don't think a top five moving forward that's one mini streak we've got more mini streaks that aren't catchers a a eugenio suarez who had Really been pretty bad for most of this year. He has four hits in his last four games. Three of them are home runs. He's the number 15 third baseman in fantasy, hitting 246 this season. Is there any reason to think Suarez will be a top 12 third baseman over the rest of the season? I think you can look at him and say he's been a little bit unlucky. His BABIP the previous three seasons, 304, 309, 322. It's 281 right now. So I think you would expect a better average moving forward but you know th- there are definitely signs that he's earned this uh s- slump or whatever you want to call it he's still hitting for power he's still hitting the ball hard but infield fly, fly ball rate up to 11.7 percent it was 2.8 percent last season during his breakout so that can play a pretty big part in uh deflating a babbit i've got four five this is an excellent group of five third basemen None of them in my top 12 third baseman for rest of season. I would guess that you might argue three of them should be. So I want you to rank these five third basemen that are not top 12 third basemen right now. Josh Donaldson. Okay. A. Eugenio Suarez. Vladdy. Vladimir Guerrero. Justin Turner. And Matt Carpenter. Who do you want rest of season? Uh, Turner, Carpenter. Then probably Suarez, Vlad, Donaldson. Okay, that's uh, almost the exact opposite order that I have them in, so that's super fun. Congratulations. I mean, you should have Justin. I think Justin Turner is clearly the number one. A.J. Pollock, another Dodger who you really like. Since coming off the injured list, 8 for 18 with three home runs. He has struck out six times, which is a lot in 18 at-bats. He's not walked yet, but there's been power. He has zero steals in 32 games this year. It looks like the, uh, the running is just done for Pollock. But should A.J. Pollock be 100% owned? Yeah, I think he should be close. Maybe you could argue in a 10-team, three-outfitter league. He, it'll be hard to get him in your lineup. But any 12-team league, any five-outfitter league, I think he should be owned. Scott Kingry, four hits, two home runs in his last two games. He's hitting two eighty eight on the season still with 13 home runs, 35 runs, six steals, and seven attempts. He had been really bad before this stretch, a 184 stretch in his last 21 games. But on the, we knew there was some regression coming. It, I think most of that regression has happened. Is Scott Kingery, with all of his eligibility at nearly every position, a must-own player? No, again, probably not someone you're going to be able to find room for in your 10 or 12-team points leagues. But any other format, anything deeper than that, uh because he has so much uh, eligibility, especially in a categories league where you're filling out that corner infield, that middle infield, utility, and five outfielders, you'll have somewhere in your lineup for him in most weeks. Uh, would you rather have Scott Kingery or another multi-eligible player, Yandi Diaz, who is 9 for 26 with two home runs and three doubles in his last six games for the year? He's hitting 280, just like Kingery. He has 13 home runs. He's only stolen two bases, though. They had a weird year if you look at his OPS by month 
in April and May, he was right around April, March and April, right around a thousand. May five ninety seven, June eight eighty six, and so far in July eight eleven. Kind of hard to see who is Yandy Diaz. Yeah, but you also look at it, and for the most part, he's been good. May was terrible, but it was a small sample size. He was dealing with an injury, um, so no, I think Yandy Diaz is pretty good. I think he deserves to be in the Scott Kingery range in terms of uh, ownership. You're talking 80% to 68%. It's not a huge gap, but someone that you probably want, again, in your deeper uh, deeper formats. A guy who I think should probably be owned in more leagues than both of those guys and isn't right now, Oscar Mercado, 52% owned. He is uh, catching back on fire, three home runs and two steals in his last two games. He has an 810 OPS with seven home runs and eight steals in 48 games. The I don't really buy the power. The fact that he's hit three home runs in the last two games, most times I'm going to assume that would be two doubles in a home run or two doubles in a flyout. Yeah. He's not a, an extremely powerful guy, but he is a fast guy who does not strike out very much at all. And the thing that I love about him, because he did go through a cold stretch. Uh, right before the All-Star break, he was really struggling. But you look at where he's hit in the lineup. There has not been a day. Now, he's had some off days, but there's not been a day since June 6th where he's hit lower than fourth. And he's hit second every day. He hit fourth once. Yeah. He is. They view him as one of their best four hitters. And as long as, kind of like Garrett Cooper, that Indians offense is much better than it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Partially because of Mercado. Partially if, because Jose Ramirez is actually... Looking like, like Jose Ramirez, been yes. pretty good for about thirty-five games. If if you're hitting second every day and you're at least an average hitter, you're going to have good run production. I think he's going to have good stolen base production, and I expect he's going to hit for an above average average. I would expect he runs more moving forward, especially. That's the one thing that I think has been a little bit disappointing about him so far, and obviously. This is not a guy for whom expectations were particularly high at any point, but you know the one thing we did expect, he's been consistently a high 30s, at least stolen base guy, had 14 and 30 games before getting called up. So I would expect he'll run more. He just, you know, with seven home runs in 42 games, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities. Right, and he's like right now, if you look at his 150-game pace, he's on pace for about 25 steals. So it wouldn't take much of an uptick in running for him to be valuable. The question will come is can he work his way into 12-team, three-outfielder consideration? I think as long as he's hitting second, he should be because he's going to have a lot of plate appearances. Yeah, But he is, he is borderline in that format. Any categories league, he should absolutely be owned. We've got time for some emails. Adam's going to be very happy with this because we don't get to emails enough on this show. From Kyle... How much patience should I have with Chris Davis? Should I be dropping him for Hunter Dozier or Jeff McNeil in a points league? Points league is definitely his worst format because it's a shallower roster and he's DH only. Although I think there is a chance he could get close to, if not have outfield eligibility pretty soon on that. I feel like the last time they played him in the outfield, he got hurt and they're like, no, we're never doing that again. Um... But I don't know. Yeah, let's see. He has made four appearances in the outfield. They are currently in an NL park, or they're going to be in an NL park soon. Um, almost got to play him then. I mean, he's not. he played in the outfield last on June 26th. In St. Louis. Yeah, I think he'll get outfield eligibility soon. It makes it a little easier to hang on to him. Um, but in a points league, yeah, it, it's tough. I'm not sure Hunter Dozier or Jeff McNeil are the answer, although Jeff McNeil has been... I think he's been a lot better than... Really on good. ...on a per-game basis in um, points. Yeah, I don't hate the idea of dropping him for McNeil, who has multiple eligibility and can be a little more helpful to your points league roster. Dear Canning, Cease, and McKay, how do you rank those rookie pitchers for the rest of the season? Andy from Macau. Uh, McKay... McKay, Cease, Canning. Yeah, I think I'm not. I wouldn't be that surprised. Well, okay. Brandon McKay is currently in the minor leagues. Sure. Now we think he's going to be back on Saturday to make another start. We don't know what they'll do with him after that. The way they've treated him recently, none of these guys have certainty to be in the major leagues two weeks from now. 
No, but I, I would bet on all of them being there. If there's one guy that I'm not sure about in terms of performance deserves to be, it's Canning. He's just been awful in his last two starts. And his good starts, he was he looked better peripherally than the results he was getting. Yeah, and, and he's a guy who does have good stuff, but also has a bit of a funky delivery and you know can catch people off guard, but... Not great command, right. not great control, and, and I don't know. He he's someone that the the fantasy community seems to like a lot more than say the Angels do. Yeah, he's maybe. got he's got one quality start in his last five, two in his last eight. He's given up nine runs in his last five and two thirds innings, and his la- for the season he's got a four seven five ERA with a four eight nine xFIP. He's definitely interesting. Oh, I, yes, I would say that for sure, but I'd, I'd have to put him last of this group just because he's been so bad lately. I'm not sure how many more starts the Angels allow him to make. Yeah, um, I would go with McKay overseas, I believe, but they're both very, very guys I want to have. From Ethan, Didi Gregorius is on the waiver wire, and he hit a grand slam last night, right? Yes, he Which, did. Yeah, we'll call him a standout. Should I drop Eduardo Escobar or Corey Seager for Didi Gregorius? How would you rank them rest of season? <sighs> Eduardo Escobar or Corey Seager? Definitely no for Corey Seager. I think he's going to be better than Didi Gregorius. Is he hurt again right now? I don't think so. I think he's back. I think he's healthy, playing. Maybe. Okay. Uh, he, he's gotten a couple of days off. I think he's yeah. coming back. Um, I don't think I would. In this offensive environment... I'm not sure how much Didi Gregorius is going to stand out as a kind of just a power guy. Like he doesn't really bring all that much to the table besides home runs. Now, he should hit a fair amount of them in Yankee Stadium, but yeah, I don't know. I have these guys ranked rest of season, Escobar, Seager, Gregorius. Part of that, a lot of that, is because Escobar is eligible almost everywhere. Seager and Didi are just eligible at shortstop. And shortstop is so incredibly deep yeah. that it's hard to find a place to play those guys at that position. So I would, But I would not drop either of them for Didi. Gregory's hit a real home run yesterday. It was a real one. Yeah, it went 406 feet. Wow. Strong. Dear Merkel, Buckner, Snodgrass, and Joyce. Those are umpires, right? I don't know. But maybe. What do you expect from Justin Upton now that he's back from his various injuries for a team that needs outfield depth but has an abundance of both speed and middle infielders? Would you trade Jonathan VR to get him? That's from Ryan. I think that's fine. It, it's not a huge win, but it's not. I, I don't think you're looking at a loss either, especially if you need if you have speed because VR really doesn't bring all that much to the table. I think. What you're going to get from Justin Upton is a lot of what you've gotten the last few years, minus that one really, really big season with the Tigers and Angels in 27. Somewhere between 245 and 265 average. Yep. A Good 30, power. 30 homer pace yep. with probably 100 RBI pace, even though he's not going to obviously get 100 RBI because he's only played 19 games all season. Yep. But yeah, I, I think he's a top 30 outfielder rest of the way, and I, I would make that trade only if I had had an abundance of speed and middle infielders 10 team dynasty roto league would you keep josh bell or fernando tatis jr andrew from jacksonville florida i think it's got to be tatis in a roto league Ooh. he's got such an intriguing skill set these guys roto. were both in your second half bust correct yes and i'm more confident in tatis busting in the second half than i am in bell the bell's hitting like 220 since the start of june um you don't get to count that period you only get to count half. No, I know. I'm just pointing, <laughs> pointing out uh, that that has happened. Um, but I just think guys with 30-30 potential, how many are there in baseball? Five to ten. Yeah, like you're you're looking at Yelich, Trout, Tatis, Acuna, Story. It's a pretty short right. list. Yes. Uh, Tatis has the potential – to stand out even in a crowded shortstop field. Josh Bell is awesome. I think he will be very good. But on the whole, given that it's a roto format, I would rather have Tatis. This is from Jesse in Atlanta. I don't know who these guys are yet. I definitely should. 
We're going to feel stupid if we don't get this. So no, I 100% know who it is. Will, Mike, Lucas, and Dustin. So you haven't watched Stranger Things? Oh, no. Yeah. The I don't feel stupid at all. You, Darvish. You Stranger Things is good. Team Dustin forever. You, Darvish, and Chris Archer have both been dropped in my league. Both of these guys have been outspoken about recent changes they've made to their game. In his most recent start where he dominated the Dodgers, Archer completely abandoned his ineffective sinker, which he'd been throwing a lot this year. Darvish has drastically cut down on his walks lately and says he's finally breaking some habits that he picked up as a result of his elbow injury last year. Do you buy either of these guys' changes? Do you think either has a good chance of putting contributions down the stretch? I like Archer's chances a little more, actually. Ooh, I have Darvish ranked ahead, and I, th- I think the consensus has Darvish ranked ahead, so why? Uh, it was really interesting watching Dar- uh, Archer's most recent start uh, either Saturday, no, Friday. Uh, he pitched during the day, and what you saw was a lot of four-seam fastballs, but also, I mean, a lot of four-seam fastballs, a lot of sliders. It's Chris Archer. That's what you're going to get. Right. But he actually looked confident throwing both his changeup and his curveball. I think he threw six curveballs, which is, you know, it, it's no guarantee of success, but it was very interesting to see him trusting more than just the fastball slider, which are his best pitches and which you want to throw most of the time. But you need to be able to keep guys honest, and I think that's something he hasn't been able to do recently. Did you see the Darvish quote? Because I thought that was pretty interesting. Last year, I had the elbow issue, and I was doing rehab for eight weeks. Most of the time, I'd feel the pain with the fastball. I'd try to less feel less pain with a different arm slot. That's why this year, the first eight weeks, I had a weird feeling for the fastball. I don't have any pain in the elbow, but I think my brain remembered that. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. I don't... Uh... I, I guess to answer the question is, I have hope that both of these guys are going to be contributors down the stretch, and I would be happy to pick up either off the waiver wire if they were dropped in my league. I think I would be more likely to pick up Darvish, but I would not. I, I don't want to shy away from either one. They, they both, like we get excited about picking up the Dylan Ceases and the Griffin Cannings and the Brendan McKays, and I get these it. These guys have as much potential. As these guys have more potential than those guys have, I think. Well... Over the next two Chris three Archer's months, Chris Archer. Over the next two to three months, Brandon McKay could be anything. I I think that there is more upside in Darvish and Archer over the next two, not over the next five years, over the next two to three months, than there is any of these younger pitchers. So I'd be happy to pick them up and see what they do. We're going to do a section now called "Where Are You on These Guys?" Okay, a very creatively named section. Bryce Harper is the number twelve outfielder in points, number nineteen in roto leagues. Hitting 257, 17 home runs. He has been better the last 28 days. He's number eight and number 16. The strikeouts have gone down. He actually has more walks than strikeouts, which is a very, very good sign. What do you expect from Bryce Harper the rest of the way? Yeah, the strikeout rate has been falling as the season has gone along, and that's a really good sign for him because it was getting really worrisome. Uh, His contact rate was way down. He was looking kind of Joey Gallo-esque when it came to his contact early in the season. Now, the fact that he's starting to turn that around, you don't worry about what's going to happen when Bryce Harper makes contact. Good things are going to happen. And so the fact that he's starting to make those adjustments is a very good sign for him. I don't think I view him as a first-round player at this point. Second? Yes, second or third, a very good hitter. Dansby Swanson, the number eight shortstop in points, number 10 in Roto, which was a little bit surprising to me. He does hit second for the Braves. A lot of Dansby Swanson's ranking, I feel like, has to do with how often he plays and having good health. 118 runs in RBI combined. Yes, he came in into the season on fire with an 1183 OPS in his first 11 games, slumped for about a month with a 638 OPS over his next 37 games. In his last four forty-five games, eight eighty-four OPS, ten home runs, three steals. Who is Dansby Swanson? More like a top fifteen shortstop than a top ten one, I think. But you know, a, a, a good player, someone who has definitely turned things around. I think he's been helped, uh, like a lot of guys, by this new baseball that's flying out of the park. But also, you know, he has adjusted his approach in ways that I think are helpful. The uh, you know, the comp on him coming into his career as a as a prospect was 
like a Derek Jeter type, not, you know, one of the best shortstops of all time. That would be unfair. But someone who was yeah. like, he's one of the best shortstop of all time. Yeah. Don't be silly. Yeah. Um, someone who could hit the ball to all fields, someone who didn't stand out in any specific place, but was average or better in every skill. And I, I think that's who he is. And that's not a fantasy standout, but it's someone you can put in your lineup. Let's talk solely points leagues. Cause I won't make this argument in a categories league. Mm-hmm. But I was a little unfair when talking about his number of plate appearances because he has 393 plate appearances for the season. Javier Baez has 398 plate appearances, so five more than Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson has scored five more fantasy points than (laughs) Javier Baez. There are more things in Javier Baez's profile for this season that look unsustainable to me than Dansby Swanson's profile for this season. Who is a better shortstop in a points league? Javier Baez. Uh, but that might be as much about him being eligible at other positions. No, forget about that. Um, well, you can't forget about no, that. No, I want you to forget about that. I want you to just tell me. No, I think Javier Baez, because he has more standout skills, I think there's a better chance of him. Uh, you know, First of all, the weird thing about Javier Baez, and a big part of why he's been disappointing in a way that I don't, you and I both expected him to be disappointing. Yes. And he has been. Yes. But not in the way he has been. No one no he's one yeah, no one thinks he's disappointing. Been disappointing because he hasn't stolen any bases. And because his strikeout rate's actually gotten worse. Right, but his n- overall numbers don't look that much different other than the strikeout rate from last year. Yeah. So you know, it, or the the stolen base rate, I mean. If he steals 3 bases in the next week, things start to look a, l- a lot better. We're going to talk about a guy next who has scored more fantasy points than Javier Baez and Dansby Swanson over the last month. In fact, he's scored more fantasy points than any shortstop other than Xander Bogarts. Who in the world is Lourdes Gurriel? 295 this season, 16 home runs, 5 steals. Since being called back up on May 24th, he's hitting 314 with an OPS over 1,000. I don't get it. Like, this... this, I think it's worth saying because he was not highly regarded coming into this year, but he was a very highly regarded prospect when he was acquired along with his brother. Um, like We thought that he could be very good. He's still very young. Is he just having a breakout? Is he someone I'm going to have to find a spot for in my top 10 second baseman or shortstop next year? Yeah, I mean, you look at his career now, 123 games. He's hitting 288. With an 842 OPS, 27 home runs, 6 stolen bases, 72 RBI, 68 runs. That's pretty good. Well, it's awesome for a, for a second baseman. And you look at a lot of the underlying stats and a lot of them back it up. Now, he doesn't have great plate discipline. You wish he struck out less or you wish he walked more. But, yeah, his his power does look shockingly legitimate. Now, you know. Probably not a 20% home run to fly ball ratio. Guys. No, but another guy who... This is going to be really interesting to discuss in the offseason is what happens if they do change the ball? Because they're not going to tell us. They're, Rob Manfred's not going to call a press conference and be like, whoops, guys. Well, he never did change the ball. We messed up the baseball. We're going to bring – like, they're not going to do that. Okay, we're going to move on. from. We're running out of time, and so there's two more guys on this who are they list that I think are really interesting one, because I don't know why Adam put him on the list, because we know exactly who he is, because he's always been the same guy, and we've always thought he was something more. Nomar Mazzara, 258 with 12 home runs on the season. Um, he is exactly who he's always been, right? Yeah, but he's young. And is he still? He's 24. <laughs> he's young, and he, he looks he's the Eric, like a baseball He's the player. Eric Hosmer of outfielders. That's who Nomar Mazzara is. Um, you know, there are... Reasons to believe that he could be better than he has been. His expected Woba is 345. That is a career high as Woba is 319. So, you know, there there could be some bad luck. His, la- his average launch angle, which has always been the biggest issue for me. There's no doubt that when Nomar Mazar, like Eric Hosmer, hits a ball the right way, it goes far. I believe he's hit the the furthest home run in baseball so far this season. I think he had the furthest one last year or the year before. Okay. This last one's more interesting to me. Hunter Dozier. I don't know why he would be more interesting to me. 505 feet for Nomar Mazar's longest home run. This who was 
awesome at the beginning of the year. Dozier was one of the best hitters in baseball before he got hurt. He was terrible coming back from the injured list until the last couple of days. And it seems like maybe he's found it again. He does have six, seven hits in his last four games, including four extra base hits. Who is Hunter Dozier? Uh, we don't know yet, do we? No, I mean, it's still... He's seen fewer pitches this year. I'm looking at the baseball savant page for him. He has seen fewer pitches this year than he had last year, which tells you that we're still dealing with, even in this very good season that he's having, a very, very small sample size. So it really is too early. Like This makes up about 40% of his total major league plate appearances, and for the most part before this season, he had been... Awful. Worthless. Yeah, just completely worthless. Um, and he's, what, 27? So he is actually old. Um, I I would still hang on to him, but I don't think he's a must-own in a points league based on the fact that he has not exactly sustained that toward pace from early on. Right. The only thing is it kind of looks like points could be his better format if he maintains a 10% walk rate and a 20% sure. strikeout rate. So it's going to be interesting, but I think he's the one guy on the list that we just don't really know yet. Real quick, some fringy starting pitchers from this week. Just, I think only three of these guys are relevant. I'm not sure how relevant they are. Jordan Yamamoto gave up three runs in five innings against the Padres. Wasn't great. Michael Pineda only gave up one earned run, but the strikeouts disappeared against the Mets. Andrew Kashner got lit up. We told you that was going to happen. Andrew Heaney only gave up two runs against the Astros, but he only pitched four and two-thirds. I know you have no interest in Kashner. Rank Pineda, Heaney, and Yamamoto rest of the season. Probably Yamamoto. I think I'd go Heaney over Pineda. I think he has more upside. Okay. Then fringing starting pitchers part two, CC Sabathia. Another quality start. Go figure. Alex Young was He's not really terrible. No, he's not terrible. Alex Young, I think, is terrible. He have one run and five and a third at Texas. I don't believe he's any good. We'll see if he proves me wrong. Yeah, I mean, he had, what, a 6-8 ERA in AAA this season? He's got a zero nine six ERA in the major leagues. Daniel Mangden gave up one run, struck out three Mariners in seven innings. Uh, Zach Plezak didn't give up a run. Only pitched three innings. There was a rain delay. Good. Helped his ERA a little bit. And Anthony Desclafani. Any interest in any of these pitchers rest of the season? Are there two or three that, like, Sabathia you'll just use whenever he has good matchups? Yeah, Sabathia's worth using when he has good matchups or when he has two starts in a points league. Um, Useful guy to have around, not a must-own. Outside of that, I mean, Plezak is, I think, worth owning but not a must own and Desclafani I think there might be a race between him and Tyler Malley to see who can lose their rotation spot before yeah I'd put Desclafani in the Sabathia range I'm going to use Desclafani with good matchups I think he's okay I have hope for Plezak he's the one I would most want to own that's going to do it for the Warriometer Wednesday edition of Fantasy Baseball today we'll talk to you again on Thursday